Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, arranger, educator, and bass player from Arlington, Virginia, Jeff Benson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have Jeff Denson with us. And, sir, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, on the short notice, we literally planned this yesterday to record this. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell the people about yourself and then we'll get into this? Uh, yes. I'm a bassist, vocalist, composer, educator. I'm the Dean of Instruction at the California Jazz Conservatory. Um, I was a member of the Lee Konitz New Quartet for 12 years. I've uh, performed all over Europe, the United States, and Canada. Um, I've recorded on various record labels, including Enya and, and three different German labels, and then a couple here in the U.S. Um, yeah. Okay. released. I think I've released now 16 albums, either as a leader or co-leader. Well, I can honestly tell you, between two worlds, I loved. Thank you. And unfortunately, it was your drummer that got me to first listen to it. But, yo, you're nice, man. You're nice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, of course, man. Brian, Brian is Brian extraordinary. Is class. <laughs> mm -hmm. So before we go into your new album, I just wish to know something about that. What made you put that together? What made you put those trio together? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Roman, the guitar player, and I went to college together. We went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And um, he went back to Paris, where he's from, and I went on to pursue uh, more degrees. And so I went south, and he went, he went back to Europe. And then um, we reconnected some years later, because we, we played a, a ton in, in Boston. We played all the time in different configurations as a duo and trios and quartets, everything you could imagine. And we had classes together and we met outside all, all the time. And then, you know, we went our separate ways and we reconnected years later in New York. Um, I think it's when I was living in New York at the time. Because at a certain point he lived in New York, went, you know, went back to Paris, moved to New York, went back, <laughs> you know, back and forth a couple of times. And then um, we reconnected and it, like it just felt just as good on a social level and musical level as it always did. And then I went um, on my way, my journey continued and um, some years later, so I, I left New York and moved to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area to take a professorship at the California Jazz Conservatory. And some years down the road, I was... Um, working on uh, putting together a concert series and invited out different artists from from New York and from Europe and different places. And um, I thought of Roman and we had just been writing together. And so I invited him out and we had a blast. I mean, it just, I mean, he's a very dear friend beyond like musical, you know, colleague or something. I mean, he's a, a really a dear friend. And we we played, I think, six concerts together. And it just was like so easy like hand and glove kind of thing like socially musically it was fantastic and um when the tour ended i started thinking about something so and that was i had either earlier that year or the year before 
I did a tour on the West Coast. I got called to sub in the Joel Harrison Spirit House Band, which was with Paul Hansen on bassoon, Kung Vu on trumpet, Joel Hansen on guitar, and Brian on Brian Blade on drums. And um, I'm I had worked with I'm friends with both the horn players, and so when Kermit Driscoll, the bass player from the band, had a health issue, they needed a sub, and Paul recommended me. So I got the call and, and they said Brian was going to be on drums. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, let me I want to do it. Well, Brian and I clicked within like three, like within three quarter notes of the first tune, and first sound check. It, it, it felt amazing. And um, by the end of that tour, like we went from San Francisco to San Jose to Los Angeles to San Diego. And at the end of the tour, we said, man, why don't we why don't we do something together? And I said, OK. You know, and I, and I went back to the bay. He he went on, and um, after I brought Roman out, it just I just thought about like the chemistry that would be there, because both of those guys are amazing musicians, and they're also both great human beings, like very sweet, caring, and sincere people, like very deep, sincere people, and like I just I just knew like this would be an amazing combination of kind of similar personality types and and, and and an open situation where we could really make some music. So when you guys are just performing, is it one of those things where it's like, we practice it a few times, we just run through it a few times, or is it just one of those things one and done, like you click like that? Oh, yeah, I mean, like we check the music, make the, make the you know, we made the recording, check the music, and then we're off and running. Um, we don't, you know the music is very um, elastic. You know we we want it like you can probably tell the way we play together. It's very um, conversational, very interactive music, and um, so you know we we just get the roadmap together. We just know how the song goes. We know the you know, the, the form and the melody, and um, and then we go. And each night we try to push into different places see what we how far we can go well i love it i heard the first two singles of your new album your new album like you said comes out uh well i'm recording this on the 19th so on the 23rd it comes out yeah <laughs> and looking forward towards that could you tell us some more about it besides the two tracks i heard yeah um so you know we released the first album between two worlds and we did a couple of one-off concerts and then we did a couple of tours that were just outrageously fun. Um, and the last, the last tour, you know, I mean, we, we played, um, uh, Denver, Colorado, um, Oklahoma city, Tulsa, Oklahoma. We did, uh, San Diego, LA, Santa Cruz, um, Berkeley, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, and then it was the West Coast. The, the last, yeah. So we this band is only played on the West Coast, and then you know creeping out into Oklahoma and, and Colorado. I mean, that's the thing. We had plans. We were we had more plans, and we the last concert of that tour was at the Freight and Salvage in Berkeley, which is an amazing venue. It's about a four hundred fifty seat theater, mm. and. Um, and luckily that night was filmed like that. We, you know, I've, I've put out a, a couple of videos from that 
from that show. But that was February 11th, 2020. And then so like less yes. than a month later, the entire world stopped, you know, like COVID, COVID hit everybody and there were lockdowns and um, that, and we all just kind of, you know, waited yeah, around sucks. in shock, you know. Um, so that's, so if you can imagine this, like, I mean, the trio t was taken off, right? I mean, like musically every night we're playing, getting better and like, we're planning, okay, you know, we have to hit the East Coast. I'm from the East Coast. I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. And so I have family and friends like, Jeff, when are you bringing this trio to D.C.? When are you going to go to Blues yeah. Alley? You know, my friends in New York, when are you coming to New York? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to be there. <laughs> and then, like, everything, everything froze, you know. So the next, you know, we started, God, no, no one, no one had any idea how long this would last, right? So we're thinking it's going to be short and it just kept on dragging out. And I, I started writing music and I, I told Brian and Roman, it's like, Oh, I just wrote the first tune. I I've got, I've got some plans. Let's go in the studio. And we made plans. And then there was another spike and a continued lockdown. So, okay, let's, let's delay. Let's wait and see. And then I, I schedule it again, another session, yeah. same thing. And that got canceled and we had to wait and we finally were able to, to do it at the beginning of this year. So we recorded this album in January and it's, um, you know, <laughs> this was such a crazy, crazy, I mean, this is on like that word isn't even, this doesn't even do justice to like what every human being has been just the shock, you know, we've all been living through, um, so when we see the lights finally at the end of the tunnel, as far as making a recording, uh, I don't at least to the recording. I can't to say. make a recording. Let's put it that way. You know, because when we finally we're going to be able to record together, it's like, oh, all right, let me finish. Let's let's finish writing the music. We wrote the music, got together in the studio, and it just felt like there wasn't a day missed. I mean, like musically when we started, um, and the, this this album really is a reflection of. The first album we made plus all the time on the road together because the trio grew like from that first album to all the tour dates the way we played together it, it grew you know i mean like i think you can hear it in the on those live videos from the freight and salvage um so then we finally got after like being caged up you know we finally got to record and and i think the overwhelming feeling that comes from the whole album is one of joy you know like like finally we can we can make music together again i mean it felt so good and it was so inspiring to be on the road together and then and then it was just like completely everything fell and you know ceased so this is a celebration of being able to get back together oh you come to the east coast this time i know certainly plan oh, to okay yeah. <laughs> just making sure i just want to say though at least Jazz wise in New York City, I can honestly say it didn't fully recover. I don't think it's really going to get back to what it used to be, unfortunately. And how's it over down the West Coast? Is it better? Is it back to normal? Yeah, man, things are going well. You know, in the Bay Area, like there's there's a lot of places that have music. There's a lot of different opportunities. A lot of clubs, like the big theaters, are open. The festivals are happening again. 
like Monterey Jazz Festival is happening this weekend. Um, Yoshi's Freight and Salvage. My the California Jazz Conservatory is a also a venue, and we we've had great concerts all year. I mean, this there's a lot of places to play. There's even a festival over the weekend in San Francisco in Golden no in the Botanical Gardens. It's called Flower Piano, like where they've got pianos all around the the botanical gardens, and then they have big stages with sound systems set up. And, mm. I mean, and it is something similar like of, that here. That's nice, though. It is nice. Yeah. Yeah. There's one question, though. So since you're an educator, how are mm -hmm. your students taking this whole thing? And how are they taking COVID and how it impacted their education? And, and their careers. Because mm -hmm. now they're behind two years. Yes. Um, we worked really hard at, at the California Jazz Conservatory to come up with ways to keep the students engaged in, which is, was not, you know, this was, God, this was a depressing, weird time for everybody. So I, you know, I really wanted to think about how I met with the faculty and see like, what can we do to really keep them, keep a hold of them and not let them drift off into the ether as it is as it were. And, um, you know, and I, I'm proud to say we really, we did, we kept, we kept the students going. And, um, last year we came back in person. So the entire academic year last year, we were meeting in person. We invested in air, air purifiers in every room. Everyone had to be vaccinated to be in person in the building. And we all wore masks and everybody was thrilled to be back and like being able to play music together after what a year and a half or so of, of meeting only on zoom. Um, but we had found ways to, to actually play together using technology. Um, yeah, but and that's, that's not a whole nother involved. <laughs> it's not the same, but you'd be surprised what we were able to do. And I mean, that's a whole nother topic that would be that's really involved and was pretty exhausting. After this, but, I uh, want you to send me a video link. I'll share it with the people, but I want to see this. Okay. So it's, yeah, you're right. Let's stay more on topic on this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. So you got the van coming out. You're going to go on tour. Is there any place you're really planning to hit? Um, well, yeah, I, I'm um, I'm headed to Europe in the beginning of November, so we'll be in Spain, France, and Belgium, be in um, Madrid, Barcelona, Valencia, Paris, Brussels, and uh, Drux, I think, which is like an hour outside of Paris. Okay, that's. That's the, the upcoming, that's the first CD release tour, but I'm, I'm working, I'm in communication with some festivals and I have the East coast on my, my, you need to go back to the uh, East you coast. You booked Europe before you came over here. I see how it is, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we did all year. Oh, we didn't go to Europe at all on the, on the last album. Ah, that's a whole nother story, man. I had, I had these I had incredible concerts for the summer of 2020. Like we were booked at the Radio France Festival, which is the largest festival in France. Every, of course, every single gig was canceled due to COVID. So 
that was pretty heartbreaking. Okay. Well, I have another question for you. So you played with Chris Porter before. Yeah. How did you get that gig and how was that? That was extraordinary. Um, that was um, for a concert series out here at, at the college um, called Jam Bar Presents at the California Jazz Conservatory, where uh, s- certain guest artists guest artists come out and do a workshop at the school and play two nights with um, myself on bass and our chair of the drum department, Gerald Cleaver. If you know Gerald, who is an extraordinary drummer. Um, so we played trio with Chris and in t- two nights and man, like that was so much fun. <laughs> okay. Nothing really stood out the most to you. Uh, the, what stood out to me is like how amazing Chris is. He, you know, <laughs> I mean, the, you, what can I say? The guy, the guy is like, um, tapped into the, the muse or whatever like he just everything comes out of his horn flawlessly and like um beautifully it's like he's a force of nature he sent he sent his music and i i I prepared for it and um it was extraordinary okay so if actually one other question i gotta ask you about your students and everything so they're going through this whole thing right now. They're just getting out of this stuff. And you're on the road. What advice do you actually give them in modern time, modern day, to actually improve their career? Yeah. To play as much as possible. You know, I mean, this was regardless of, you know, what's what's happened. I mean, like, at least here in the Bay, my students are gigging. You know, my like, my students are working, you know, in, in clubs and San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, San Jose, the North Bay. Um, I tell them, you know, one, make sure you keep up with all of your work. You have, you know, you're a student and you're that's a full-time gig, right? But in addition to that, get together with your peers outside of class and play every day. I mean, play all the time and, and gig and gig with people older than you, gig with people better than you. This is, I mean, this is what I did and this is a time-honored tradition it's like um you know when after those gigs with chris we we talked about it it's the same same with him it's the same you know talking to lee konitz for 12 years all the time about what he did i mean he's 50 years older than me but and he had times were different but it's always the same it's like play your horn as much as possible play with people and be in a real live situation where you have to improvise as much as possible and that's something i do at the school, we create <clears throat> performance opportunities for our students. So they perform at the school in like, you know, your typical end of the semester concerts, recitals. But we also book additional gigs. Like I've booked um, for six weeks now, I have uh, student ensembles going and performing at the downtown Berkeley Bart Plaza stage, which is like an outdoor stage. And the, the Bart is like uh, the Bay Area subway. Right. And there's like the beautiful new uh, plaza they have and there's restaurants and people hanging out, eating outdoors. And there's a big stage there. I mean, that's we have people playing on on outdoor stages. We had students playing in a street fair a couple of weeks ago. 
You know, we had our students traveling. We took students to Scotland, Italy, Switzerland, Japan before COVID. And obviously now that's been put on hiatus, but we're planning now to go back to Japan in 2024. 23. No, no, 2023. Forgot what year we're in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Just curious because, you know, I have my theory on some music institutions. So I just wanted to know what you guys are doing on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's a whole, I mean, the, that's a what whole, we do, conversation. whole nother <laughs> thing. Yeah. But kind of what I just said about what I would recommend to an aspiring jazz musician is at the heart of what we do at, at, at my school, at the California jazz conservatory. I mean, we push the students play the students, not only play together, but they play in situations with our professors, you know, like, they I've taught ensembles where I'm playing bass. I have, uh, you know, Liberty Elman on guitar playing with the students. Gerald Cleaver's in, in classes playing with the students. You know, you know, Mimi Fox on guitar playing. With, this is part of it. Like play with people older than you play with people better than you play as much as you can in the classroom on the outside on the gigs. You know, and we try to create as many opportunities for our students as possible. OK. Well, I just have a few other questions and I'll let you go. Uh, I'm sure for this one. Why do you actually focus on jazz versus pop music or R&B or anything else? Me? Yes, as a bass player. As a, as a bass player, yeah. Um, well, when I was growing up, I, I loved rock music and and blues and, and funk and... Um, that was, you know, that's what I was really into. And then an older bass player introduced me to Jaco Pastorius. <clears throat> and like, I was like, oh my God, like, what is, what is that? The next step from there was I heard Miles Davis kind of blue. And that, you know, I remember being in the car and hearing on, on the, the radio station in, in DC, WPFW. And So What came on. Paul Chambers played the melody, so what, on the double bass. And I was like, oh, what's that? You know, the bass is playing a melody, and, like, that bass sounds so beautiful. That that got me, you know. So I, I started wanting to play double bass and wanted to learn about jazz. And I found, like, wow, this is really hard. This hurts my hands. Like, it's hard to play in tune. I don't know what's happening in this music. But that led me to find Charles Mingus' Haitian fight song. Mm-hmm. You know, where he plays this ridiculous intro on the bass and then then he sets up the line and then the band comes in and then he plays another killer solo after his own. And I was like, I don't care how hard this is. I don't care how long it takes me. (laughs) This is what I have to do. I mean, that's I mean, that's kind of like a defining moment in my life. You know, just like this thing bit me and it, you know, because that was literally the moment because it was like hearing Paul Chambers that like got me in, but I wasn't a hundred percent in and Mingus like bit me like some kind of, (laughs) some kind of virus or something. So it's, it's my heart. It's my passion. It's what makes me um, wake up. It's, it's like a, a vehicle to, um, to communicate and express ideas. And it's a medium that, um, connects to people, connects to groove, connects to popular music, but 
is as deep as you can possibly take it as an artist. And there's no limitation on you. There's no like, well, I mean, some people that could be up for discussion. Some people might put little boxes around themselves and what they consider acceptable. But like, think about how diverse and how broad the music is now with, with, and how, like how it continues to evolve. It's, I find it incredibly inspiring and it seems limitless. I agree on that, but I just wish we had more artists that actually break on the billboard charts. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the only way it would actually grow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole another topic, but it's, it's kind of like um, mass media doesn't include jazz in what it, what it allows people to learn about. Right. And, and that has an impact that like keeps, that keeps potential audience from finding it. And it keeps jazz musicians and, and jazz music somewhat like a rarefied, isolated art form that operates um, outside of, 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 of culture, you know, popular culture and, and people's awareness as what, you know, how, how, unless someone brings you in, I mean, it's what happened to me and that, you know, that was however many years ago. So like I had to have like a, a, a teacher or somebody introduced me to Jocko that introduced me to the, you know, mm-hmm. you have to have the door open. And if, and if the popular culture and mass media, they don't open any doors for anybody, we have to do it. Right. We have to somehow reach people. Okay. Well, Jeff, just one other question. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, who's the greatest bass player of all time? Oh, Lord have mercy. And I want an answer. <laughs> Don't flake on me. No, man, there's no way to answer that question. There's no way to do it. There's no greatest anybody of all time. Right? Like, I could list you many of the people that I think that I absolutely adore and think are some of the greatest bass players, but I, I, I don't have, I honestly, I swear okay, to you. Three, I, three, give me three. Oh, uh, double bass only or electric bass Both. and double bass. Oh man. Uh, if you're producing a pop album, who would be your bass player? Oh man. Now if you're, now you're going to, now it's, uh, uh, I, I mean, I, I love electric bass players. I can, how about I just tell you the guys? That okay, really, that works. <laughs> I've already said Jocko. Okay, I wouldn't put him in a pop album. This except for Joni Mitchell stuff was amazing, but love him. I mean, he he was extraordinary. James Jamerson, extraordinary. Love love James Jamerson. Um, I mean, those are probably my two favorite electric bassists. You know, like in. In the pop world, I mean, I could start spitting out names like Paul McCartney. I love his bass lines. Okay. Um, Tony Levin, super creative, great bass player. Willie Weeks, killer bass player. Like um, in the line of uh, James Jamerson, um, like hearing him with Donny Hathaway or like his studio work. I mean, the guy was amazing, right? Um, there's so many. And I'm, when we hang up here, I'm going to feel bad. This is why I always try to duck these questions i said of all but, time so you, your friends won't get offended <laughs> right but it's not that it's more of me like i'll think about this now like i'll hang up here and i'll walk my dog and i'm like oh my god i didn't say <laughs> one of my favorites but yeah i mean 
Charles Mingus to me is uh, like someone that inspires me as as a art as an artist, a composer, and a, you know a virtuoso bassist, band leader, composer. Is I don't think of him just like as a bass player in a way. It's like he's a creative force of nature, um, but he would have to fall in in this in this world for me. But Ron Carter. I love Ron Carter, um, Charlie Hayden, Gary Peacock, Ray Brown, um, uh, Mark Dresser, one of my former teachers, incredible musician, incredibly unique musician. Um, yeah, I'm literally going to obsess over this now when we hang up. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. <laughs> Tell the people. Like, ask me the question that will disturb me. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Tell the people where to find your album, how to contact you, etc. Yeah. Um, for all things Jeff Denson, go to jeffdenson.com. And you can find me on social media, Jeff Denson Music, on Instagram, Facebook. Um, after September 23rd, the, the album will be available on any streaming platform you can order it um yeah okay <laughs> i kind of threw him off topic and i'm sorry about that but everyone <laughs> jeff jensen <laughs> sir thank you for joining us <laughs> thank you for having me and everyone this is leander from improv exchange thank you have a good one you too bye That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>